You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. friends welcome to episode 1347 of the Lofton Hawks podcast I am your host Brad Rowland coming to you deep into the night on a Saturday evening into Sunday here in mid-November and today's podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn LinkedIn jobs how you find a qualified candidate you're looking for and they want to help you do it faster and for free post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across platforms that includes stuff like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. We are on YouTube on the video side, anywhere you get your podcasts. Today's show is going to break down what became a close-fought loss at the end for the Atlanta Hawks. A final score of 121-109 to in Philadelphia in the rematch of the game that happened in Atlanta on Thursday evening between the Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. The Hawks trailed by as many as 27 points in the third quarter of this game. And if I tell you just that, it's obviously seems pretty ugly. And generally speaking, the Hawks did not play overly well in this game. Now, they did play well in the second half. They did a nice comeback big, got within two, two possessions at one point, and uh, were really in the game until about two minutes to go, maybe three minutes to go at the end of the contest, and they got away from them at the end. So uh, definitely a couple of uh, tail of two halves kind of things here. The offense uh, kind of bled into the defense, I think. For the most part, the numbers are worse defensively than the offense in this one, but it was definitely, um, I think, kind of weighing in on, on both of each other on, on, this, on this particular night. So We'll get into all the nuances we always do on the podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard, and we'll dive right in now to the game and sort of the uh, the back and forth from these two games against the Sixers. Um, Want to just say this at the top of the podcast: if you missed anything from Thursday night, it definitely is relevant because this is a you know, situation where these two teams are playing twice in three days. I there was one thing I wanted to add actually to the uh, Thursday night discussion. Um, the Hawks. I talked about this a lot during that game. The Hawks did not shoot well from three, and that's going to again come up tonight as the Hawks can continue to not make threes this season. What I didn't realize when I recorded on Thursday is uh, kind of it's pretty crazy. The Hawks won the game on Thursday while making six three pointers, and that was the first time the Hawks had won a game with six threes or fewer since 2018, December 23rd, 2018, almost four years ago. So the Hawks are definitely playing differently these days, which definitely tells you a little bit more about this game as well on Saturday. But uh, they managed to pull the game out of the fire on on Thursday, despite not making threes. And in this game, they nearly pulled it off again without making threes because they won on some other marginal things in this spot. But uh, the Hawks have sort of been able to overcome that weakness on some level with some mid-range shootings, a better defense this year than they they have in the past. But that is still a glaring issue as the season continues here. Other than that, the injury front coming into the night, it was different for both teams in this one compared to Thursday. The Hawks were without Anyaka Kongwu for personal reasons on Thursday. People were asking me what that is. I don't know, and I don't, I'm not going to ask one of those things where if he's, if, he's out, if he's out again later on in the week, then we'll kind of have to follow up from there. But generally speaking, personal reasons, I'm going to leave it alone. So that's why he was not available in this one. And we saw the first rotation minutes of the season for Frank Kaminsky. As a result, that was predictable. You know, Anytime your, your second center is out, your third center is usually going to play at least a little bit. That happened in this game. Uh, John Collins was not listed at all in the injury report after he after he was limping off the floor on Thursday. It's definitely encouraging to see there. And then Philadelphia, who is still without they're still without James Harden, of course. They actually missed Anthony Milton in this game as well, who's probably their third best guard. Uh, definitely one of their top four guards, but for me, their third best guard behind Harden and Tyrese Maxey. So that was a notable absence for the Sixers. They also lost for Korkmaz during this game, but 
anyway, that was the state of affairs here. And the Hawks were three-point underdogs, according to our friends at Ben Online, in this game at tip-off. So obviously not, quote-unquote, supposed to win this one. But I think the market will tell you that these teams are very close together. The Hawks were small favorites at home. Philadelphia was a small favorite at home as well. So uh, I think Philly in the market's maybe maybe a point ahead of the Hawks in the power rating perspective. But certainly this were, these were two uh, kind of dead-even games coming into the night. As for the first quarter, the Hawks got to the line actually a bunch in the early going. They had five attempts in the first three minutes. Trey missed actually two free throws in a row, which is a little bit strange. He got hit in the face. I'm not sure if that was maybe affecting his jump shot, uh, at least his free throw shot at that point in time. Philadelphia, though, was more aggressive defensively in this game than they were on Thursday, I thought, across the board. The Hawks did turn the the ball over quite a bit all the way through the night, especially in the early going. They had three turnovers in about the first two and a half minutes or so. The Hawks had basically like like a triple possession about five minutes into the game where they missed, uh, I believe, four shots in one possession. A couple of offensive rebounds, Clint Capella, who's really good in this game. But uh, also right, right after that, they went empty on that possession in kind of frustrating fashion. Hunter fouled a three-point shooter on the other end of the floor. So it was like a five or six-point swing as a result. There was a big run by Philadelphia later in the first quarter, a 13-2 to two push by the Sixers to go up 26 to 13. They were doubling the Hawks at that point in time. It was kind of the, uh, again, it was kind of a two-way street about how bad the Hawks were at times in this game. Offensively, they were 5 of 17 from the floor and 0 of 5 from 3 to open the game with five turnovers. That's a bad recipe. They had 13 points on the first 21 possessions. That's a uh, about a .65 or so offensive rating. That's very bad. Um, they had this brutal possession where they kind of overpassed. I think, I think generally speaking, overpassing is better than not passing at all in terms of like just philosophy stuff. But they ended up with a, a pretty bad shot by Aaron Holiday on that possession. It was kind of a frustrating look. And Joel Embiid had a great game in this one. He, he kind of struggled at times on Thursday, kind of ran out of gas. It was not his best self in that game. And this one, he definitely, I think, got tired in the fourth quarter, but Joel was pretty dominant. Um, he is very, very good, obviously. And at one point, he had 14 points, and the Hawks had 13 points. So there you go on that. Rotationally, a lot to get to about this game. We'll come back to the A.J. Griffin thing at the end of the podcast, but he did not play in the first three quarters, which was a little bit of a change from the last few games. Um, as they did on Thursday, Trey Young came out of the game briefly in the first and third quarters. It might be a permanent rotation change. You know, first, I don't know, eight, nine games of the season, the Hawks were having Trey play the entire first and the entire third quarters. The last two games, after the back-to-back and the way he got banged up a little bit, uh, he's been coming out for a quick breather there. I'm not sure that's going to be the case moving forward. That's not happened twice in a row, though. I want to at least say that out loud. It was Aaron Holiday coming in for him, Justin Holiday after that, and then, I guess, uh, as I mentioned before, Frank Kaminsky for his first rotation appearance of the entire season. He's, he's, he's obviously played some garbage time, but with Kongu out, uh, Nate said pregame to expect that. I kind of thought that was going to happen. It said, it said so. And he was uh, he struggled in this first stint. For sure, to Kaminsky, he was much better in his second his second stint. Defensively, he's not the same, uh, just to be uh, putting it very mildly there. He's not the same as a Kongwu and Capella in terms of impact. Offensively, though, just give them, give them a, little bit of, a little bit of passing and a little bit of shooting that those guys don't really bring to the, t- the table. And then Jalen Johnson came in um, one more time. AJ Griffin, no, no appearance in the first three quarters. We'll come back to that later on in the podcast. Um, Trey Young had a nice stretch late in the first quarter. He actually had 11 points at about a two-minute stretch, and they kind of had to have that because there was nothing else going well for the offense at multiple times. In the first quarter, it was Trey. In the second quarter, it was DeJounte Murray, where they kind of had to carry the offense individually almost for a little while. The Trey plus bench unit with Kaminsky out there was pretty dire at times. Uh, Trey also went to the break of the, in between quarters with a kind of a visible upset kind of demeanor. He was uh, kind of a, not, not a full, full not, not a full on blow up or anything like that, but he was definitely uh, kind of visibly mad going into the break between quarters and the Hawks, even with that 11 point spurt from Trey young at the end of the quarter, we're down by 13 at the end of the first bad offense, 
bad defense. They had a five, they had five turnovers in the first quarter, uh, a, a 142 defensive rating because Philadelphia made a bunch of shots, got to the line 10 times, and uh, kind of ugly stuff around there. Um, what I didn't love rotationally, I know there was a lot more focus on the A.J. Griffin stuff, and with good reason to some extent. What I didn't love really at all was the early part of the second quarter. Uh, the Hawks came out with DeJounte Murray and a bench unit that included Frank Kaminsky with Joel Embiid off the floor, which I was surprised by because even Nate McMillan said in the pregame, this is per Lauren Williams of the AJC, that, and I, I speculated about this as well, like I thought we'd see John Collins at the five at some point in this game because with Embiid off the floor, they play Paul Reed at the backup five. Paul Reed is like a power forward for sure, kind of size-wise. He's not any bigger than Collins. And I don't. I just think the uh, the upgrade in talent there from Kaminsky to Collins would have been worth doing that. I don't really see the reason to play Kaminsky without Embiid being out there. Did love that process. Anyway, a pretty disjointed start to the game. By the way, this is a marathon game. Like this, it was like a two and a half hour spectacle. Um, the third quarter in particular was just an absolute marathon. It was almost 940 when the fourth quarter started. It was just kind of a crazy back and forth kind of game. Philly called timeout like a minute into the third, uh, second quarter. Just a, a bit of a slog there from a viewing perspective. The Hawks, though, only had four points in about four minutes with that bench group. Uh, Hunter came back in the game as the first guy back to j- kind of join DeJounte. But Philly went up by 18 in the middle of the second quarter. They went back to the starters down 14. Uh, that first stint with Kaminsky was minus five. Not a total disaster, but not great either. Um, soon after the starters came back in, they gave up five points in nine seconds because Trey threw the ball away right into a three by Tyrese Maxson. Tyrese Maxey, one of those kind of story of the night kind of things about the offense, kind of putting the defense in a bad spot throughout this one. I said it once before, but Murray was awesome in the second quarter of this game. He and Trey kind of alternated a little bit, but my pal Glenn Willis pointed this out as well. Murray just has this has this propensity to just never stop attacking, which can be very, very useful when the team just kind of needs a lift. He's been able to give that to them on a few different, a few different occasions this year so far. Um, still, though, down 16 at the halftime break. Um, they only scored one point per possession exactly. It was 51 points, 51 possessions in the first half. That's pretty rough. They didn't make threes once again throughout this one. They got to the line a decent amount in this game, but turned the ball over way too much. We'll come back to that later on as well. 31 points from Trey and Ajante in the first half and only 20 from everybody else. Pretty bad ratio there. The Hawks did rebound the ball at an excellent clip the entire game, which is certainly uh, helpful in trying to keep the game competitive because the first half was not great. But uh, we'll get into more of what what transpired in the third quarter because that was definitely sort of the Jekyll and Hyde quarter of the entire game. And then we'll have some takeaways from this game overall, the stats that you're looking for, the individual player breakdowns, how the uh, crunch time went, and a look ahead to Monday's game against Milwaukee. But first, before we get to all that stuff, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. And these days, every new potential hire can like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs right now. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the right people for your team. They do it faster and they do it for free. I've had to hire a few times in the last few years. LinkedIn Jobs has always proven to be an awesome resource for me. It's so easy to create a free job post. LinkedIn Jobs, they have high-quality candidates that you have to have to locate the best possible hire. And then once you're set up, add a job in the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. for the word that you're actually hiring in the Simple tools they have, like screening questions, make it easy to focus on the candidates that you're trying to find with the right skills and the right experience to make your life easier. You want to finish the year strong, and finding a team member that is perfect for you is key to doing just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires against leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to, and they help you to do it faster, and they help you to do it for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That is linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and if I told you, if you didn't watch this game, the third quarter was 33-32 to 32 in favor of the Hawks. It's like, all right, that sounds pretty reasonable. Back and forth, kind of high scoring. 
uh, it was definitely a tale of two mini quarters because early in the third, it was a disaster. The Sixers went up by 24. It was a 10 to two run out of the gate. The Hawks went 0 5 from the floor with three turnovers in about a four minute period. Uh, they woke up a little bit from there with Murray getting to the free throw line, then a lob to Capella. But Hunter got his fourth foul. They let him in the game. Collins got a uh, technical foul that was actually assessed to Nate originally and then changed to John. But Philadelphia played. Really well on offense in that stretch. Tyrese Maxey kind of got whatever he wanted to in both halves, really. And then Embiid was just really asserting himself. At one point in the third quarter, Philadelphia was shooting 75% from two-point range in the game. I believe there were 30 of 40 from two-point range. That is an outrageous figure <laughs> under any circumstances. Uh, and they weren't, all, they weren't all easy either. There was, there was some mid-range stuff in there. Embiid was kind of taking his contested mid-range shots that he's able to make for sure, but definitely they were making a lot of them. And then the Hawks kind of woke up. So, again... They were down by as many as 27 points in the third quarter. But then they had a 20-3 to three run to go from down 27 to down 10 in about, a, I don't know, three or four minutes. It was a very quick run. And then within uh, basically 1.30 to go in the third quarter, uh, the Hawks were back down by 10 and definitely, definitely back into the game. Hunter had his best stretch of the night. He had a seven-point stretch. That's the line five times in a row. Uh, definitely was more attacking after settling a lot, I thought, in the first half of the game. Trey found some juice, had to pull up three, a couple of assists, and then they held the Sixers, crucially, to only three points in about a four-and-a-half-minute time span, and that got the Hawks back into the game. Now, there was a big swing against Atlanta that ended up biting them, I thought, in this game. Um, they had the ball down 11 in the final minute with a chance to get it down to nine or maybe even eight, and that would have been pretty significant. But Jalen Johnson threw the ball away. And on the other end of the floor, Aaron Holiday foul, fouls George and Yang on a three that he makes four-point play. So potentially a six or seven-point swing there in about 30 seconds. And uh, they go down by 15 again going into the fourth quarter. Now, it wasn't over by any means at that point, but that was a big swing. You know, just, the, just the mental stuff of like, going, at, going into the fourth down eight or 10 versus 15 is pretty notable. Uh, the Hawks, though, did a, have a good offensive quarter in the third. They, uh, they shot 52% from the floor. They had 9 of 11 from the free throw line. It was much, much better process in general, especially once they kind of found it in the final like seven or eight minutes of the third. Then there was the weird rotation thing of the night. Uh, if you listen to the podcast or watch the podcast on Thursday evening after the first game between the Hawks and the Sixers, I played a clip from David Millen about how basically he was asked about the rotation. He talked about the fact that he is just not really experimenting. He's not trying to develop all that stuff. It was a, it was a lengthy answer, but it was definitely matter of fact about how he's just kind of playing the guys. He thinks a best chance to win. Uh, and then this was reminded because the Hawks put in AJ Griffin to start the fourth quarter. Now, I watch a lot of NBA basketball. I cover the whole league, not just the Hawks. Obviously, I cover the Hawks at the highest level and the the, the deepest depth of the whole league. But I write for Dime. I, I cover the whole league as, as a whole for the last you know 10 years or so. And uh, I'll just say this. It is not normal for a, any player, not, not, not just a rookie, but any player, to have a DNP for a coach's decision for the first three quarters of a game in a game that was competitive and then have that player come in and play the entire fourth quarter. N no garbage time, none of that. That does not happen. At least, I mean, I'm not saying it's never happened because I'm sure it has, but it, that just does not happen, especially with no injury and no foul trouble. Uh, so AJ sat the first three quarters entirely, came in the fourth, and then played the entire fourth quarter. So he did make a three on the first, first possession. Then he actually missed four shots in a row, uh, had, had a good quarter overall. He was fine. He took seven shots. We'll come back to that later on. Um, they, and they also played him. They, they went small. They brought him in for Jalen Johnson at first and played him and Justin Holiday at the three and the four, basically, in some order. Um, that's all fine process. I had no problem with that, so I'm not complaining about them playing AJ Griffin. 
I just don't understand the process of not playing him for three quarters and then putting him out there for the entirety of the fourth. Just a bizarre se- sequence across the board. They basically just kind of benched DeAndre Hunter down the stretch. Um, they did they did bring Collins back in, but uh, kind of a weird disappearing a disappearance of Hunter in the fourth quarter. Anyway, uh, after that three by Griffin on the first possession of the fourth quarter, when he first came in the game, uh, the Hawks only had two points in about four minutes. Uh, and that honestly should have ended the game for the Hawks, but they got good. They played good defense in that, in that stretch. They held the Sixers down. They had some good, they had some good looks. Again, I, I mentioned this before, but AJ missed four straight, four straight shots. He wasn't alone, um, but they were only down by 14 with like 7.45 or so to go in the fourth quarter. And it got it to nine. It was a 7-0 run. Six minutes to go, down nine. Griffin had a dunk, actually a pretty big one on Joel Embiid, kind of beating him to the rim in transition. And the Capella was just flying around on the glass, um, creating second chance opportunities the entire second the entire second half, really. Embiid was definitely visibly tired. Doc Rivers, I thought, kind of bungled the rotation for Philadelphia and ended up having to play Embiid for like, I think he played 40 minutes. That's uh, way too much for him to be playing on a uh, November game. And uh, he definitely looked tired at that point in time. The Hawks had the ball again down nine with about five minutes to go and had a pretty brutal shot clock violation that they just could not afford at that point in time. That was not a good time for it. It was a scattered possession. It was kind of disorganized and they gave up 11, uh, sorry, gave, gave up a layup to go to my, back down by 11 points. Uh, Capella then created another second chance opportunity, but Trey threw the ball away. Um, after all that, though, Murray hit back to back kind of huge, like ice cold jump shots from the mid range, just, you know, traditional pull up one on one, great like shot making performance kind of things. And then the Hawks got down. Uh, only six again with 2.30 to go because right before that, uh, A.J. Griffin hit a three that was an open catch and shoot. And that pass by Trey Young that set it up was just preposterous. I had this tweet that I have sent a few times about how Trey makes at least one or two just obscene passes in every game. And that was perhaps the one for this one. It was a crazy pass that he set up A.J. who uh, wide open A.J. Griffin three is going to go in at a very high level as we've already seen so far this year. So that that went in and the Hawks got it to six with 2.28 to go. Uh, unfortunately, it did not go well from there. They fouled Joel Embiid. He makes that, and then AJ turns it over, just like a happy feet rookie kind of moment, just a little bit too uh, sort of overexcited, turns it over, and then they allowed a corner three to, to Matisse Thybulle. Now, I will say, if you're going to give up a three to anybody, it's probably good to be Matisse Thybulle, but he made it, and it was wide open, to be fair. Um, that put the Hawks down by 11 with about 140 to go. It's probably over then, and then when Trey tried to get it back with a quick three, he missed it, and that was kind of the end of the game with about 130 or so remaining. So, uh, you know, obviously a lot to get into there, but certainly a back and forth game. The Hawks, when they were good, played pretty well. Um, you know, I've kind of seen every take about this already in the last hour or so. I think the Hawks did not play as poorly as you might have thought to be down 27. Uh, there was some shooting luck there. The Hawks just could not make shots at different times in this game. I don't want to make that the entire reason because that, that, that was not the whole reason that they lost this game, but they turned the ball over a ton. That's bad process. Defensively, Philadelphia made a bunch of tough shots in the first three quarters. So, you know, the Hawks were not the better team in the game, for sure. And, uh, you know, goes down with a 12-point loss. You don't want to have that double-digit losses on your resume against, even though it's a pretty good team. But this is not exactly a loss on the level of that Charlotte loss or that Toronto loss where it was just, like, embarrassingly bad. It wasn't that. The Hawks didn't play all that well, but it wasn't, like, completely catastrophic after after they kind of woke up and played well at times in the second half. Um, anyway, to the offense, as far as overall takeaways are concerned, a 108 offensive rating is pretty bad by this Hawks team standards. Now, it was on the road against a decent team. They had a 118 offensive rating in the second half. That's more like it. Um, they just made more shots in the second half. They shot 52% from the, from the two-point range in the game. That's totally fine, but only 624 from three. Now, that's been a theme. They did the same thing last night. Um, sorry, two nights ago on Thursday, they couldn't make shots. The Hawks uh, came, in, came into the night as one of the bottom seven or eight teams in the league in three-point accuracy and three-point volume. That's a bad recipe. 
Um, and a lot of it's been focused in my mind, at least in my mentions and some of the reactions on the bench, because especially with AJ not playing a lot, people have talked about Jalen Johnson, talked about Justin Holiday and Aaron Holiday and even DeAndre Hunter, et cetera. I want to just point this out as sort of a counter to that. Um, part of the problem with the Hawks not making shots, uh, not taking threes and also not making threes, is their three best offensive players. And that is Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and John Collins. All three of them are shooting well below their norm from three, especially Young and Collins. Uh, Murray had a good start and has cooled off, as we'll get into in a second. So part of that's that they have less spacing. Part of that's just noise. Trey Young is not a bad three-point shooter all of a sudden. John Collins is not this kind of bad three-point shooter so far that he's been. But I've been making this point since the summer that I never thought the Hawks had enough shooting on this roster. And especially without Bogey, it is pretty tough. Even when AJ plays, like it definitely helps. But even they don't have huge numbers or huge you know, percentages either when AJ plays, AJ plays either. So keep that all in mind. But just from the numbers, the three of them, again, this is Young, Collins, Murray, three of the top, I don't know, 40 50, 50 offensive players in the league, something like that. Two, three very good offensive players, obviously two like star guys in the guards, and then Collins is very good on offense. Um, combined, they are shooting 30.4% from three for the season. 62 of 204. Collins is a uh, is definitely struggling right now. He's 9 of 36. And this is a guy who has shot like 38%, 39% over like a three or four-year sample. Like this is not this is pretty abnormal for him. Small volume and not a huge sample size, but he's not making shots right now. Murray is 25 of 77. Um, that's very bad as well. And actually, he had shot pretty well early in the season. In the last five games, six of 30. That's pretty rough. And then Trey is 28 of 92 from three. That's pretty bad as well. So uh, it's kind of everybody right now. Sands, uh, Aaron, actually, Aaron Holiday has been shooting pretty well on a very, very, very small volume. And Griffin's a great shooter already, I think. But other than that, it's been a little bit rough across the board. And it's not just the bench guys, the supporting guys. It's also the main guys just not making shots this season. Um, on offense, the best thing that happened in this game was the offensive rebounding. In fact, the glass overall, uh, Capella was definitely the biggest reason for it, but the Hawks were absolutely great on the offensive glass. 38% offensive rebound rate in this game. That's excellent. But the other the other thing was they gave the ball away way too much. Now, Atlanta has prided itself on being a fantastic ball security team the last two years. They've been in the top two or three in both years. Tonight, 19 turnovers and 20 assists. That's a terrible ratio for any team, especially this Hawks team. And the big thing beyond that, was that those turnovers led to 34 points. So 19 turnovers led directly to 34 Sixers points, 10 live ball steals by Philadelphia. And that is what I've been saying the entire time during the podcast. The offense led to the defense being bad. Now, it was kind of a two-way issue. I'm not going to say the defense was great in this game. But um, honestly, even though the numbers were worse for the defense than the offense, I would argue the offense was probably worse than the defense because it kind of fueled things. If you kind of take away the transition that was put out there by the bad turnovers, the bad ball security, um, the numbers look a lot better for the defense. Anyway, a 120 defensive rating in this game, that's bad, obviously. And Philadelphia, I mentioned before, they at one point were 30 of 40 on twos. They ended the game 65% on twos. That's just a crazy high number, even for, even for a team that has Joel Embiid on it. Uh, Tyrese Maxey was awesome in this game, got wherever he wanted to at point of attack. That was a problem throughout the game. Um, and they also allowed 31 free throw attempts. That's too many as well. Only 12 turnovers. It's just a bad recipe all the way around. Again, they did dominate the glass on defense as well. In fact, I believe they only had two offensive rebounds for Philadelphia in the entire game. Now, they made a lot of shots, which is part of that too. But even percentage-wise, the Hawks were excellent on the glass in this game. And that actually led to, this is pretty crazy, the Hawks attempted 10 more shots than the Sixers did and only four fewer free throw attempts. So basically the Hawks had eight more shooting possessions than Philadelphia. 
Uh, it's hard to lose a game by 12 when you have eight more possessions to shoot the ball than the other team. But the Hawks did not make shots, and Philadelphia did, especially inside the three-point arc. Um, 8-24 from three for Philadelphia. They work great there. Uh, but generally speaking, a, not a great defensive game across the board for the Hawks. And uh, we can get into kind of how, how all that all that went. They were better in the second half. I thought Capella especially was kind of anchoring things. Um, I thought – it got better throughout the game as far as the defense was concerned, but um, some bad positions put in there by the offense and they were not able to kind of fix it fast enough to avoid going down as big as they did. Because once you're down by 27 points, you're into like, it has to be historic to come back territory, which of course Philadelphia, as many pointed out tonight, I think, including me, um, Philadelphia has been a team that has given up some leads to the Hawks in the past, including famously in the playoffs, but, and there were some shades of that in the second half, but it was not quite enough to get over the top. And we'll get into all of that more, Coming up on the individual breakdown part of the podcast, but first, one more break to hear from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. We are now in mid-November, and basketball is in full swing. Football is continuing as well. There's plenty to check out at Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one source for base, for betting information, stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and college league out there at Bet Online. That includes the latest in football, the latest in the NBA, which includes, of course, stuff like game lines and props and over-unders and futures and live betting, all that fun stuff, as well as you have soccer and esports and golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing. All of that and more about online. But online is the fastest, easiest way to get your sports betting fix. And if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at Bet Online. Check out Bet Online on a mobile device or a computer to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, and the individual breakdowns are here to end the show. And uh, honestly, and the plus minus in particular, and even that second half stint, the bench had a decent night for Atlanta on the whole. Um, it wasn't like it was fantastic individually from these guys, but they were on the floor, at least for that big push at the end of the third quarter, which definitely helped to boost some of this stuff. And it was Trey plus bench when that, when that kind of all happened. Um, we'll start with Kaminsky playing his first minutes of the season. His stat line looks fine. Six points, three rebounds and an assist. I thought he was much better in the second half stint than the first half stint. You could definitely see some of his value there. I like that signing for the minimum. I will say he has looked pretty bad to this point in preseason. Um, I've always heard kind of behind the scenes, he's been a little bit creaky in practice too. I think he does not look like he's 100% back from the injury that kind of cost him most of last season. But you can definitely see the value of like he made kind of a, a late shot clock buzzer uh, shoot uh, jump shot at the top of the key. That's more of a luck-based thing, but he's at least capable of shooting that shot. He can and will space the floor. He's a pretty good ball mover as an offensive player. So there's some value there. Defensively, it's pretty rough. Uh, that's definitely a drop from where Kongwu is, much less Capella. But uh, he did his job in this game, especially in the second half. Um, Justin Holiday had a quiet one, no points on two shots. Three rebounds and an assist. I think by pretty good defense for the most part off the ball. Had some on-ball problems in the first half with Forkon Korkmaz, who got a little bit loose on him, um, kind of with his craft in the first half. But I thought Justin was just okay. Didn't do a whole lot for them, though, off the bench. Uh, Jalen Johnson, kind of a tale of some weirdness. I thought he was pretty bad with the turnovers. He had three in 11 minutes. Defensively, uh, the flashes are really there, but the off-ball stuff is not for Jalen. It was a, kind of a below-average game for him, even though he got a couple of uh, nice flash plays in there as well. Aaron Holiday was at least a pest, had five points on six shot attempts, but uh, no rebounds, no assists, no steals, no blocks, had a turnover, uh, kind of just a weird, kind of quietish night. He's definitely at least good at pressuring the ball, but uh, he definitely his size kind of shows at times, his lack of size, I should say. And then uh, A.J. Griffin. So, as I mentioned before, no minutes in the first three quarters, played the whole fourth quarter. Uh, he was okay. Obviously, the three-point shooting is very valuable. He was two of two on that. He was one of five on twos. He didn't play that fantastically. And defensively, he is not fantastic at this point. Um, 
I don't have the video as I was not in Philadelphia on this fine evening, but uh, I uh, definitely tweet out some of the quotes from Nate McMillan after the game. Laura Williams of AJC asked a good follow-up question about kind of what AJ needs to do to get on the floor. And Nate kind of talked about his defense, like not necessarily specifically, but talked about how he has, there's two sides of the floor. Basically kind of, we'll see how, what it is there. Uh, Nate said he's going to, he kind of tried to throw him out there to get a spark in the fourth quarter. The logical consistency of him not playing in first three quarters just doesn't make sense to me really at all. Um, Obviously, this is a tale of as old as time. I'm not going to do 10 minutes on the show every single podcast about AJ Griffin and whether he should play or not. Uh, in short, I believe he should play as much or more than he has for sure. Uh, and this game was just bizarre. I normally do not ride for rookies playing more, generally speaking, but I think AJ brings a skill set the Hawks do need, especially without Bogdanovich. And then, uh, you know, the way that he has been playing offensively, there's definitely a lot there. Um, in this game, like he looks like he played enough with 12 minutes, but it's just the way it all happened. So if he plays 12 minutes normally, I won't really have much to say about that. Like I know there are Hawks fans that want him to play 25 minutes right now. And I, and I do understand that urge. He's a lot sexier, a lot more high upside than the holiday brothers for sure. But if AJ plays 12 minutes a game and plays every night, I don't have a really, I don't really have a complaint about that. Now, the way that it happened tonight with nothing in the first three quarters and the fourth quarter is just bizarre. And I disagree with that general principle, but him playing, 12 to 16 minutes a night is totally fine for me, I think is what kind of what it should be at this point in time, both for development reasons and for present day reasons for his three-point shooting. But anyway, he gave them a little bit of juice off the bench. And again, as I've said a hundred times already, I'll say it probably a hundred more times, he has to be guarded, which helps everybody else in a big way. To the starters, uh, the plus minuses for the starters were not great in this game, other than Trey, who was on the floor again for that big run in the third quarter. Uh, in fact, Murray, Capella, and Collins were all minus 20 or worse. That's not really indicative of how they played, I don't think, necessarily. Um, they weren't, like, fantastic in this game, but it wasn't like they were, like, disastrous either. Uh, we'll start with Collins. He was very quiet. Six points, six rebounds, and a block. I think defensively, he was okay. Um, in fact, I was looking at EPM, the estimated plus-minus numbers coming for the full season tonight, actually, before the game started. Uh, both, actually, all three of Collins, Capella, and Okongwu are in the 90th percentile or higher in defensive EPM to start the season. So that's kind of a good uh, – it's only one stat, for sure. I want to overstate that. But anyway – Offensively, very quiet for Colin. He's got to make threes. Uh, he's got to take more threes in my mind. He has to make more threes. And uh, he just continues to get lost in the offense. So, like Part of that's him. Part of that's the team. Uh, I don't know what the fix is, but with Murray taking on usage, with Hunter having a bigger role, it seems like this year, um, there's just been a little bit less for Collins, and that, that needs to change. I think he's one of the more efficient players, and having him uh, having a little bit more of a responsibility would be a good idea. Hunter was okay he had one nice stretch we had seven points kind of in a row but did not play much in the fourth quarter in fact maybe didn't play all in the fourth quarter you know, look at that again but 15 points four rebounds he was only 412 from the floor though and oh three from three got the line eight times that's actually a good stat for deandre but no assists um he just the passing is just catastrophically bad for a small forward i don't want to be crazy about it but it's really 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 poor for that position um rebounding wise he was okay four rebounds in the game but uh, I don't think he was fantastic. Defensively, though, he's had, not, he's had some nice moments the last couple of games, which is good to see. Uh, Capella, despite being plus 20, I thought he was awesome in the second half. 14 points and 15 rebounds. Uh, did have four turnovers, including a couple that were not great in the first half of this game where he, when everybody was kind of struggling. Um, but actually finished 7 of 9 around the rim. That You can't complain about that. You know, shooting 78% from the floor. Didn't get to the line at all, but that's okay. I thought Clint was definitely impactful in the second half. And really, the, like, like the last two weeks has been – up a level defensively on the whole. Uh, and then Young and Murray, neither of whom were terribly efficient despite combining for 50 points. Um, DeJounte had 23 points on 25 shooting possessions, which is below average. Uh, seven assists, eight rebounds, did have two steals and no turnovers. That's a good number for Murray. He had a couple of those huge pull-ups in the fourth quarter. He kept the Hawks kind of afloat, 
but uh, it was kind of an uneven game for him. It wasn't like he was great or poor. He was kind of like somewhere in the middle. Trey, 27 points and 11 assists. Looks good. But uh, once again, two of seven from three. The shooting, the three-point shooting just has not come. He was better on twos in this game. Six of 11. Got to the line 12 times. Um, but uh, 11 assists, seven turnovers, though. That's too many for him. And uh, for the team, again, 18 turnovers. Actually, no, 19. It was, it was one team one. So 19 turnovers. That is just really, really rough. And uh, they could not afford that in this game on the road. So after all of that, the Hawks get the split. Uh, not not a disaster in a home and home with Philadelphia by any means. They're now eight and five on the season. They are three and three on the road and five and two at home. Pretty respectable stuff across the board there. And now another test on the horizon for the Hawks on Monday evening. They go back to Milwaukee for the third game in 16 days against the Bucks. And the Bucks uh, are still very, very good, let's just say. So Milwaukee uh, did actually lose on Friday, but that was without Giannis. And without, I believe, a couple other guys. Yeah, there were, Drew didn't play in that game either. It was definitely like their, it was like their, you know, second, second and third teams that lost to San Antonio. So that result, it, it counts. But I think of Milwaukee as still being a team that's only kind of lost to the Hawks at full strength, and that was, of course, the last game this week. So they're ten and two. Um, they are actually having a, an extra day of rest over the Hawks. They did not play tonight, nor, nor did they play on Sunday. So they've been off since Friday. The two teams have split the first two matchups. The Hawks lost in Milwaukee with, uh, and then they beat Trey. Sorry, they beat the Bucks without Trey at home. The Bucks had that rest advantage, but and I think Milwaukee, as long as Giannis and Drew play, will be favored in the game. But that'll be a nice little test for Atlanta to open this coming week, and uh, we'll see how they go from there. If they lose that one, will be eight and six. They, they win that one, will be nine and five. We'll see. I think the Hawks, generally speaking, at eight and five, you can't complain too much about that. Um, you know, most teams would like to be ten and three or whatever, but the Hawks, I believe that yeah, at this moment, the Hawks are the four seed in the East. You can't really be too much, too upset about that. Has it been pretty all the way through? No. Is there a place left to work on? Yes. The Hawks need to take more, need to take more threes, make more threes. Um, we'll see how they figure out the rotation moving forward. We'll see how close Bogey is. All those questions. But if you're just catching up now for the first time or something like that, 13 games, eight and five. Uh, you know, they could be better on offense for sure. I think they will be better on offense defensively. We're kind of figuring out where they actually are as a team right now, but definitely improved from last year. I think it's probably safe to say that with Murray on board and uh, a lot, a lot of good stuff from them, from the centers and from Collins this season. So anyway, we'll get into more of all that stuff coming up on the podcast, but I do thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Please subscribe to the show where you'd like to listen to podcasts on even beyond that. If you wanted to support the podcast, the best way possible, subscribing across platforms, like multiple times, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Podbean, Overcast, any of those places. Plus, we are also on YouTube on the video side if you want to watch the podcast or just kind of stream the podcast in the background. However you want to do that, I would definitely appreciate all the support there and downloads and shares and all that fun stuff. Please email the podcast if you have questions to for the show to answer. It's LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at BT Roll, and the show is at LockedOnHawks. That's LockedOnHawks on Twitter. And uh, yes, one more time. Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. Enjoy your Sunday, and we'll see you after the game on Monday evening.